0: Good morning, everybody. Hey, I want to welcome you to Lakes Free today. It's so good to see you. If we haven't met, my name is Jason Carlson. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, we're going to have a great morning of worship and teaching from God's Word. I'm really excited. We've got a special guest speaker with us today, my friend uh, Dr. Mickey Klink, one of the world's leading scholars on the Gospel of John, and uh, one of the greatest guys you'll ever get to meet. So uh, we're really excited about that as well. But before that, we're going to have some Uh, Just terrific time worshiping the Lord together. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. Let's have a word of prayer and commit uh, this morning to the Lord and ask his blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your love and amazing grace. And we're here today to praise your name. And so, Lord, we just want to commit this morning to you. We ask that you would be honored and glorified by all that takes place here. Thank you, Lord, for our friends gathered with us this morning. Thank you for those watching online at home. We just pray that you would bless our hearts as we come into your presence to worship you, and may you be honored, glorified, and praised as your people come into your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we want to invite you this morning to stand with us as we begin our worship time.
1: trust in you, Jesus. You're all, you're all, you're all that we need. Your power will pull us through. We're trusting Journey, there's no looking back. With Jesus to lead us, we're on the right track. Oh, 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 wide oh, oh, oh. open spaces for wide
0: It's just awesome, wasn't it? We had, uh, yeah, you can clap for that, it's definitely worthy of clapping for. Fun highlight video from our vacation Bible school two weeks ago. We had over 160 kids here, and uh, if you recall, I shared last week the, the amazing news we had 50 kids pray to receive Christ and rededicate their hearts to the Lord over that uh, week. So it was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. We're also uh, extremely thankful this morning our uh, student ministry mission team got home safely last night from a week in Louisiana. We had 30 high school students and adult leaders uh, that uh, made the long road trip down south, braved the heat and humidity for a week, serving the people of Lake Charles, Louisiana, and uh, had a great time. And so we're just thankful for God's provision for that team and for the work that they were able to accomplish, and in the name of the Lord there, blessing the people, and I want to thank you for your prayers for that group as well. My kids were included in that group, so I want to especially thank you for your prayers. It was, uh, it was great to hear some good reports last night from them. Well, hey, church, I am so excited this morning to introduce to you Uh, One of my really good friends, a guy that God has brought into my life and really blessed and encouraged me through, uh, my friend Mickey Klink, who is with us this morning. I got to meet Mickey uh, three years ago at uh, one of our Evangelical Free Church Pastors Conferences and uh, it was an interesting gathering because it was a group of pastors uh, of churches that are all about the same size as Lakes Free Church, 500 to 1,000 people, and uh, in this gathering of pastors from around the country, you know, we were just all, you know, sharing ideas and trading stories and exchanging, you know, here's how we do it in our church, and and. Mickey just right away resonated with me because while a lot of guys there were talking about, you know, how do we grow our church and how do we get, you know, bigger and better and flashier, you know, Mickey's heart that whole weekend was all about how do we pastor our people? How do we shepherd our people? How do we love our people? What does it mean to be a pastor of a local church? And, you know, that just really resonated with my heart as, as the pastor here at Lakes Free Church and, you know, growing, growing up in ministry under a guy like Rick Stanghelly who really modeled that same shepherd's heart as a pastor for his church. Um, And I just loved that in Mickey. And so I said, this is a guy I want to get to know. And we started hanging out, got to know him, got to know his wife that week. It was a really special time. Mickey then, we invited him back for our uh, men's advance two years ago. And I think all of the guys who were there would say it was probably our best men's advance ever. Uh, Dr. Edward Mickey Klink is one of the world's leading scholars in the Gospel of John. Uh, he wrote this massive commentary, took him six years to write this commentary. Uh, if you want to know where I get all my material for preaching, uh, I got to point here to my buddy Mickey. This guy is just a true blessing to many pastors uh, through his ministry of writing and teaching. And uh, we're blessed to have him with us. Uh, Mickey graduated from Trinity and uh, played football there under Leslie Frazier. You might know uh, Leslie Frazier. And believe it or not, I was just talking to Mickey this morning. His son, junior in college, bigger than him, is uh, being recruited now by some uh, 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 Big Ten colleges to come play football for them. So, uh, pretty cool guy. Uh, would you please give our friend Mickey Klink a warm, lakes free welcome this morning? Thank you, It's great, it's great to be with you. Hello from
2: northern Illinois. Uh, I am, I have to just I'm a Bears fan, but just please hear this. All right, I'm married a Vikings fan, all right? So I I think I'm okay. Uh, my wife is a Minnesotan through and through. I got to come up yesterday and take my in-laws who live in Delano. Uh, They moved out of Minneapolis to Delano just a few years ago in retirement, so I got to take them out to dinner and spend time with them. So this is kind of a a sweet trip to be able to come up, see my mother and father-in-law and to be with you and to connect again with Jason. Good to be with you. And my church, Hope Evangelical Free Church, which is just in the northern suburb of Rockford, Illinois, uh, sends you greetings. Literally during your services, my church is having their services, and so we are brothers and sisters in Christ, similar-sized churches uh, in, in this Midwestern area, we call, trying to be an embassy for the kingdom and do ministry in our particular uh, cities. And so just good to be with you here today. You are in the Gospel of John, and as Jason said, I have spent a lot of time in this Gospel. And I, and, and I love this book, but I think one of the reasons I love this book is because it is just an insight into the heart of who Jesus is. That's, that's what it is. Like we we could spend a lot of time, and I, I, I've written a lot already on a lot of the nitty-gritty details of it, but if you just want to get to the, to the point of it, you want to learn about the compassionate heart of God the Father, made known through Jesus the Son, and made manifest in the power of the Spirit, Gospel of John. It's just this beautiful testimony, a witness to the work and person of Jesus in our Christian lives. And you guys are in in what's called the farewell discourse. You've been in this John chapters 13 to 16. And if I were gonna summarize those texts, this this is this is what I would say. Literally, Jesus grabs his disciples, he sits down with them, he says, Let me let me explain to you the Christian life. Let me give you Christianity 101. I'm I'm gonna explain that I gotta go, that the Spirit's gonna come, that you're gonna have troubles, that you're living on mission. That there will be persecution and suffering, but fear not, I've already won. That's what Jesus the pastor says. I mean, to be honest with you, it's not Jason who's your ultimate pastor. He's an under-shepherd. Who is your true pastor? It's Jesus Christ. He's the pastor of this church and the pastor of the church that I serve in and attend. He's the chief shepherd. Peter teaches us that. And literally in these texts that you've been working through in the Gospel of John, Jesus, the shepherd, wants you to know who he is. He know who I am, know what I have accomplished, know what you're going to go through, and know how it's going to work out. That's what these passages talk about. What beautiful insight into who God is. My daughter... Literally this afternoon, is going to a, uh, an EFCA camp called Camp Timberley, southern Wisconsin. It's probably similar to your Shamanol. I'm assuming you're familiar with Camp Shamanol. And literally this week, she comes up to her mom, and she gets these big tears in her eyes. She's going into fifth grade, right? So she's almost 10. She's got these big tears in her eyes. She's like, what if I miss you? Uh, what, 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 if I, what if I don't know this or that? And, and my wife sits down with her and just reminds her, hey, listen, here's what's going to happen. Let me remind you, you're going you're to have your counselor, your best friend from church is going to be right with you in the cabin. You guys are together. And she's just giving her these kind of, kind of parental, motherly, caring insights to encourage her, to let her know what she's about to face and to let her know she's going to be okay. And the whole time she says, you know what, honestly, you're not going to want to come home. The reality is when dad picks you up next Saturday, you're going to probably want to run into the woods. But we're right here. We're a phone call away. Because they now picture the church of Christ. And Jesus is explaining his coming work. They're even fighting against it. What, you're leaving? How is it better if you're gone, Jesus. Well, what's going to happen if we get scared? Like, there's a big world out there. You're sending us into that, and you're not going, like for three years. Like you've been with us, right? You're sending us into that without you. And she's like, "Oh, oh, oh. brothers, it, it's going to be better than you even think. Like, I'm not just going to be alongside you. I'm going to be in you by the Spirit. You're not, you're not battling it as if the victory's on your shoulders. I will have already defeated the world you're going into. I will never leave you." I will never forsake you. Trust me. As silly as it sounds, you want me to go so that you can relate to me more intimately and personally than you could have ever imagined. And when he says that, he's talking about the Spirit. And that's what these texts are talking about. Life in the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, if I could give one word of warning to churches like yours and mine, a lot of times we get a little nervous when it comes to talking to the Holy Spirit I mean, you could even argue that our trinity is sometimes God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Scripture, and not enough the Holy Spirit. And if you want to know what the Christian life is, it is life in the Spirit. And while there may be some traditions that overemphasize that, there can be other traditions that underemphasize that. And we want to be biblically grounded in a life in the Spirit. And that's what these texts are talking about, where Jesus, our pastor, explains to us about life in the Spirit. I'm going to read the text, and then I'll pray, and then we'll jump in. I like to read the Word of God for us this morning. It's John 16, verses, chapter 16, verses 16 to 33. I'm going to read it. You can just listen or follow along, whatever you prefer to do, then I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. This is the end of his Christianity 101 to his disciples a little while and you will see me no longer and again a little while and you will see me so some of his disciples said to one another what is this he says to us a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will and because I am going to the Father they're totally confused aren't they so they were saying what does he mean by a little while we do not know what he is talking about Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while, you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she is sour because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy His disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figures of speech. Now we know that that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes. Open our eyes that we can see the beauty of your word. And help us to hear and be pastored by the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, this morning. We pray in his name. Amen. You might be reading that and, and, or hear that being read to you and think, yeah, that is a little confusing. It's a lot of verses. And to be honest with you, you're thinking, man, if, if John and Peter and those disciples were confused, how are we supposed to figure this out? Like even they're standing there with Jesus asking questions and there's confusion. Well, Jesus is explaining the final part of the biblical story in these words. He's talking about the fulfillment of God's promises. And the transition from the old and new covenant. That's what he's speaking about. He's, he's, he's looking at the big picture, not just a little tree, but the full forest of the biblical story. And he's saying, from the beginning, God has continually and progressively made himself known to his people. It started in, with bushes. It went to buildings. It moved to a body The incarnate Jesus Christ, and now it's moving into the realm of life in the Spirit. That's why they're confused, like, what? Like, it's good that you're going? How is that good that you're going? The same way they might have felt hesitancy about the body of Christ over and against a physical temple in Jerusalem. But the reality is, is that life in the Spirit is the fulfillment of what God had promised long ago. The Spirit is the climactic extension of God in the world. It's the beginning of the new creation that God promised he would renew all things. And guess with whom he starts? His people. Where you and I are freed from the shackles of sin and death and the renewal of creation starts in us, God's people, so that I can watch. We're singing the songs, and I can see some of you praising these names, praising the Lord, raising your arms out because God's Spirit is resonating in your very body, renewing you from the inside out. That's exactly what Jesus had promised. The coming of the Spirit changes how believers know and relate to God. This is that, the issue that the disciples are struggling with. Like, they're good with like, breakfast with Jesus, lunch with Jesus, supper with Jesus, walking with Jesus. That's good. Him leaving makes them a little bit nervous, kind of like my little girl going to Camp Timberly this afternoon. Like It's one thing if Mama is there. It's another when she's gone. But God had promised this. Jeremiah 31 behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant and listen to this language I will put my law within you did you hear that I will write it on your hearts did you hear that like that's all language that makes sense of the work of the spirit I will be your God and you will be my people. Look at that language after this work of the Spirit. There's a new relationship that is so powerful. The prophet Jeremiah is explaining what this is going to look like. I can only imagine God's people under the Old Covenant and the Old Testament are thinking, how do you write it on our hearts? Like, aren't we already your people? This is a new kind of relationship. How about Ezekiel 36? I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. Ezekiel 36, 27. That's exactly what Jesus is saying is about to happen. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And again, notice how Ezekiel 36 ends like uh, uh, Jeremiah 31 did. And you will be my people, and I will be your God. There it is. That's that new dynamic. And Jesus, here, as he's giving Christianity 101 in John chapters 13 to 16, is setting them up for this transition to come. I I don't know about you, but I I really am tired of Zoom meetings. And, 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 and Zoom church or things like that is just crazy. Uh, the reality is we were made to be gathered together. We were made to be embodied, right? The incarnation teaches us that, about, about embodying things. So there is a big difference between a Zoom conversation and the real thing. I'm literally driving from Delano up here this morning, and my daughter calls, and she wants to tell me and show me how she lost a tooth last night. Right? So she's sending pictures. Like, I got about seven. If you want to see a cool little tooth, let me know, because I got like 17 pictures of this. But it was something. She was missing the fact that I wasn't just in the next room. She wanted me to see that her teeth is. I got all these pictures like this, right? Little pictures. And she's smiling. Her brothers are behind her doing things. And, there's that, it's not the same. I guarantee you, even though she'll be gone for a week, when I pick her up on Saturday, she'll go, hey, did you see my tooth? I left it on the table with a note. Like, there's a, a Zoom connection just wouldn't cut it. It just wouldn't be the same thing. How about this? Here's another, another example of this, with this intimacy, right, this, this reality of being, being known. You ever seen those, you ever gone to YouTube and typed in, like, military surprises when families come home? I mean, and it's, and it's one thing where maybe there's a video recording, and it's dad talking to a, somewhere overseas, uh, and, and he's talking to mom and the kids, and they're emotional just seeing the video about him. And then surprisingly, like, he was behind them the whole time. It's not like they turn around and see him and like, oh, it's okay, we already heard you. <laughs> like, you just never see that happen. Like, well, I actually prefer the video version. You actually see an upgrade in excitement, right? You see, an, uh, why? He might have said the same things, but there is nothing, nothing like the physical hug of a dad with his wife or his kids. There's just nothing you can't beat that. Who would vote? I'd prefer Zoom with my spouse, or my, you know, prefer Zoom with my kids. Well, maybe junior high f- when they take their shoes off. Then I'll take Zoom, but once they get past the stinky foot stage, I'd like to hug them. Like nobody says that, because the physical thing is the real deal. God is describing please hear this. This is this life in the spirit that we can sometimes be scared and have a tendency to either over-emphasize or under-emphasize. God is explaining how when He makes happen the fulfillment of what He promised, he is dwelling within you. It's no longer a zoom call through a bush through a building, or even just through a body. He is now indwelling you personally. And if the old covenant was God speaking through a screen, the new covenant is, guess what, I'm right here. And we'll take that every day. That's life in the Spirit. That's the Christian life. A great summary of this is Romans 8. Right, you could literally do a six or eight or ten week series through Romans 8. You could call it life in the spirit. And there are six to eight things Paul gives in that chapter. He just lays out walking in the spirit, living by the spirit. He gives all these aspects of the Christian life that explains how Christian life is life in the spirit. Well, let me just show you from this text that Jesus is teaching on about life in the spirit. And, and there are four things in this text, that that the Spirit provides. The Spirit provides four things for us. So we're just going to let Jesus in the rest of our time this morning explain to us life in the Spirit according to this text. Here's the first. There is true joy in God. Verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And that might sound strange, but that is, the world didn't understand that the death of Christ was his victory. Like the world thought that they were winning, when in reality we realize that that is his glorification. In fact, the Gospel of John describes that as Christ's exaltation. That is his throne. Human kings want their gold chair and their crown of gold and all their servants and their big castle. Your king took a wooden cross stained by the blood of criminals decades old. And he took a crown of thorns because he knew that his reign meant the crushing of sin and death. That's what that language is is winking at you about. Like the world's going to be joyful. And you actually might be sorrowful first. And what did the disciples do after the death of Jesus? They hide in an upper room. But look at where verse 20 goes. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. I, I love how verse 20 starts with this, truly, truly I say to you, and, and you get a bunch of those in the Gospel of John. They're, they're technically called an authoritative preface, but that sounds a little nerdy. Let me explain it to you this way. My oldest son, who's 16 now, never looked left and right when he would cross the street. Now, he's big enough now that I don't think a car is going to want to hit him. <laughs> but when he was about four or five years old, never looked. He would just go right across the street. So it's amazing I haven't had a heart attack yet. And I remember one time I saw him do this. Ball rolls across the street. He runs and gets the ball. So I run to my boy. I grab him. He was about this tall at that time. And I knelt down and I grab his two cheeks and very calmly I say, do you want to live any longer? <laughs> and he was like, well, I said, uh, I said do, you, do you want to keep living? Because if you don't want to keep living, keep doing what you're doing by walking across the street. That's a good way to end life. And I was serious with him, and I spoke to him firmly, but lovingly, and I looked him in the eye, and I didn't want him like, oh, look at that squirrel. Like, I wanted him to be, look at me for a second, look at me, this is serious, look at me. So when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, and I get it's like Bible language, you get it, here's what he's doing, he's like, hey, 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 focus, this is, this is important. Like, look at me for a second. He's grabbing your face and whoop, look at me. Look at me. This is important. Right? So we've just translated Bible language to say, every time Jesus says truly, truly, pay attention. And you actually know he says it several times in this text. And many of the points I'm going to give you are right when Jesus says truly, truly. Right? The text is telling you, hey, are, yeah, there's some explanatory things and they're important, but when I preface it by, hey, hey, grab your cheeks, look at me for a second. This is important. So Jesus is saying, here's what he's saying. There is going to be sorrow. You are going to face some of the most difficult experiences that in a broken and fallen world people can experience. And I can only imagine if we were to go around this room, we could literally have testimonies of people who have had severe loss, have had situations of abuse. I mean, you name it, in a crowd this size, there is going to be impact of a sinful world big time in this room. So Jesus isn't denying that and acting like we're just floating in the heavens waiting for him to return. He's like, no, 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 I get it. I get it. Life is going to be really, really hard. But I'm going to tell you something. With the Spirit, there will be an internal joy. There will be a peace that passes understanding. You won't be able to put your finger on it. There's no word or phrase that even comes to mind. But in a sense, you will be anchored in a way to God that sustains you even when you feel like you're at the end of your rope. And what that is, is that is God doing what he said he was gonna do, where he latches onto your soul and he says, I got you. And nothing, nothing and no one is gonna affect that. Now tell me that isn't beautiful. That's why Jesus had to stop like I did with my five-year-old boy and kind of grab you by the cheek, right? Maybe wipe away a tear or two and say, there will be a true joy in God that actually goes beyond just your circumstances. Look at what verse 22 says and kind of fleshing that out. Your hearts will rejoice. And get this. No one will take your joy from you. Now, if anybody else said that, you're like, "Yeah, right." No spouse can promise that. No job can promise that. Nothing in this world can promise. But when Jesus promises that, take heed. Christianity doesn't remove all of life's problems. In fact, that's 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 a version of the prosperity gospel, as if Christianity removes the problems. No. Christianity explains the problems. It explains why there's problems. It explains why our, our loves are misdirected and why there's evil and brokenness in the world. Let them just remove them. And it comforts and gives a joy that only God can give. Here's the second thing that the Spirit provides. Verse 23 and 24 flesh this out. I, I summarize it by saying it's a deep fellowship with God. Jesus says this, in that day, You ask nothing of me. Here comes the grab the cheeks again, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, there it is. You know that? Every time you hear that, you go, beep, red flag. I got to listen to this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, again, I can only imagine that most of us reading that are thinking, this is, this is a blank check. I'll take a new Lexus or a new fishing boat, right, or, or, or season tickets to the Vikings. I wouldn't have asked for that, but I'm assuming you might have, right? I mean, the, the, you can just imagine. That, that might sound like a blank check, but please don't hear it that way. It is not talking about a what, what you get. It's talking about a who. Those verses aren't describing a what, They're describing a who. That you have a relationship with God. Where literally you are now an adopted child and he is your father. And the father loves to give good gifts to his children. In fact, if you want kind of biblical support for this isn't some kind of a blank check, notice how you're supposed to ask. You're asking what? In my name. Whatever you ask the father. Notice it doesn't stop there. Verse verse 24. or end of 23, it doesn't say whatever you ask the Father, he will give you. If you read it that way, you read it wrong. What does it say? Whatever they ask the Father in my name. Man, that is key. That means you're asking with the access provided by the Son and under the authority given by the Son. Meaning you're never asking for something that is outside the will and the scope and the permission of God. So, rather than being some kind of a blank check where I can ask whatever I want, you are asking in alignment with Jesus Christ as Lord. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray through him and to pray under him. That's why he teaches us how to pray. Your will be done. Maybe the hardest words ever to pray. Your will be done. When we were in Southern California, there, we, we, I taught at Biola and Talbot for nine years before coming to Illinois to be a pastor at the church where I've been at for seven years. Long story short, there was an accident in an intersection. A woman was driving with her three kids, and an accident happened. The car literally flipped over, and one of the children was seriously injured. And the story of this woman is pretty amazing because she was literally married to a youth pastor. She had two little girls. The youth pastor literally left his wife for a girl in the youth group. This woman was brokenhearted, and so were her two little girls. She ended up at her church meeting a man that not only wanted to love her, but loved her two little girls as well as a dad. They had a girl together, and this woman's ministry just blossomed. She was a singer and songwriter. She's literally driving in Southern California. This is pre-GPS, right? So there's, like, maps up, and she's looking for the right road. Her assistant's in the car. Her husband's about an hour ahead of her because he's already at the church setting up for the sound and the tech stuff. They're looking for which road to turn on. Southern California gets a little crowded and busy. She doesn't see that a stop... Uh, stoplight turns from green to yellow to red. She goes right in the intersection, and boom, truck hits the car, flips it on his side. She looks back. She sees her oldest daughter crying. She sees her middle daughter crying, and she sees the little one not moving at all, and she panics. She's like, Lord, we have taken enough. We have taken enough. There's no, we can't take any more of this. She gets out of the car, and two ladies pull over on the intersection. They come up. There's older, older ladies than she is they're probably in their late 50s early 60s and they say we're christians can we pray so literally paramedics arrived they got this little three four-year-old girl that they're giving cpr to in the middle of an intersection in california now imagine being that mom like yeah you want to do prayer time right now but you are looking at that little body you are looking everything at that little body of that girl and these two women say can we pray for you so the women are praying they're praying And at one point in the prayer, one of the ladies says, Lord, if it's your will. And the mom literally took her finger and put it over that woman's mouth and said, don't you dare say that. And then the wisdom of this woman, she just paused for a second. She stopped praying and just looked at this mom. And this mom who told this story herself that I heard a few years later says the moment she put her finger over that woman's lips, she felt this amazing conviction in her heart. She's like, it was the weirdest thing I ever felt because everything in me, there was nothing more that I wanted than my little girl live. And yet I knew that what that prayer said was true. Jesus said, Lord's Prayer, by the way, pretty hard to pray, Your will be done. That's great. Family Thanksgiving, everyone's healthy, wealthy, and wise. To Chicken, is uh, the turkey is nice and moist and the kids are running around the fire. Now say that in the intersection when your daughter's laying on the pavement and they're doing CPR. She paused and she looked at the woman who'd prayed that and she said, I'm sorry. You're right. Keep praying. The woman prayed, Lord, if it's your will. And they prayed hard. But that little girl never woke up. Now, she tells that story about what it means to live in the will of God. And she says, I have gone through suffering. My daughters and I lost a husband and a father, and then we've lost my little girl. But I have something in me that I can't fully explain that is real and that is true. And what Jesus is saying is it is this deep, Fellowship of God the Father that is made possible in the Spirit. So please hear this. this this tendency, maybe in free churches like ours, to be hesitant of the Spirit or to kind of push against overemphasis. I get such fears. But you need to understand that the Christian life is life in the Spirit. And that this life in the Spirit means that even on a road in Southern California with a daughter who is fading away, that there can be something palpable of a connection between you and God the Father through the Son in the Spirit that is real. That you have direct access to God the Father in Jesus and through the Spirit. And that is true. Uh, Third thing, third of four things the Spirit provides is a real awareness of God. Look at verses 25 and 27. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech. But look, look, look at the end of verse 25. I will tell you plainly about the Father. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Like before it was kind of it was kind of zoom it was like it was there was a dad there but it was all through a screen whereas now it's embodied it's real it's no longer mediated it's actually a true connection with God and awareness Jesus then literally describes in verse 27 how the for the father himself loves you like you won't even need You won't even need to be asking the way you normally did with all these mediation. Like through me, through Christ, you have direct access to God the Father. Like direct access. And the Father himself, through Christ, loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I have come from God. In a sense, verse 25 is saying you will have a personal knowledge of God. You will know the Father. Like you will know him so well that it won't even always be logic or explanation or argumentation or reasoning that fully encapsulates why you're so convinced, because you will know the Father personally. And verses 26 and 7 are saying that you will have a real experience with the Father, for the Father himself loves you, something you can taste, so that maybe this morning even if, even if you woke up and the burdens of life or the struggles and business of your week kind of had kind of cluttered how your thinking was, that when you sang those songs this morning, you literally felt this relational declaration you were praying to God because he's real. It's John 3.16 applied to you. For God so loved the world and for God so loved you and you through Christ and in the Spirit. A Christian life that is lived in the life of God, in the love of God. Last thing, a confident hope in God. What would have been the three so far? True joy in God, deep fellowship with God, real awareness of God, and a confident hope in God. I love how Jesus ends in verse 33. He's saying all these things, and it's going to, he said earlier, I mean, as Jason or others have been preaching, there's been a whole lot of other troubles that are going to come your way. Just be aware of that. But he ends in verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Like, in me. Please don't miss the in me. He doesn't just say, I have said all these things to you so that you. May have peace it says, in me you may have peace. That's why Christ is so central. That's why we call ourselves by his names. We're Christians. That's why we pray in Christ's name. We have access to the Father through Christ. It is called Christianity for a specific reason. It is in Christ, which the Bible describes, uses that phrase in Christ over a hundred times. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, you will have peace. And then he ends with this: in the world. You will have tribulation. I love this, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What does that mean, take heart? Maybe Old Testament language. Gird your loins. Buck up. Focus. Trust. See what really is happening. Who's really won. There's no election for King Jesus, by the way. There's no question of ballot fraud. There's no campaign that needs to happen. He's already king. There isn't any authority greater. He doesn't need legislative support or judicial approval. He's one. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's king language. He is both Savior and Lord. And you, as kingdom citizens, know that first. The rest of uh, Lindstrom, the rest of Minnesota, the rest of the Midwest, or the rest of the world, other than these embassies in various places, may not know that. But you know that. You know exactly who you are because you know exactly who he is. And you live differently because of it. When Jesus talks about peace, he's using an Old Testament word, shalom. And it doesn't mean peace like there's no longer war. It's more than external, though it means that. It has an external sense where it's the things around us and the world around us. But it also, shalom, is very much an internal word, too. It can refer to harmony. Harmony. Or how about this, rest. That might be the best word that defines what shalom or peace means. Rest. It's no surprise that Genesis, when it describes the fall of creation at the end of God's work, what did he do? He rested. Why do we gather, by the way, no longer on Saturday as the Old Covenant, but on Sunday in the New Covenant? Because we're acknowledging every single week that who is our rest? It is Christ. Christ is our rest. Because the new creation has already begun. It's not fully accomplished yet, but it's begun in us. It's begun in us corporately. And we rest in Christ. And you can come in here and feel the pressures of the world. Your own body is corroding because of the sin and death and the reality of brokenness. But you rest in King Jesus week after week after week. And you hope in God. Listen to Jesus, brothers and sisters. No matter what you face, no matter the enemy, even death itself, I've already won. He'd probably, before he did that, he'd take you to the side. He'd kneel down like maybe with I did with my five-year-old. He'd grab you by the face because you might be given the old Bible answer. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. No. He'd say, no, 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 listen to me. Look at me. He'd say, truly, truly, but you'd say, I get it. That's the, you want my attention. He'd say, look at me. Rest in me. Rest in me. The Father loves you. The Spirit is in you. I've already won. Rest in me. Who doesn't need to hear that? Who doesn't need to hear that this morning from Pastor Jesus? Rest in me. It's no surprise, by the way, that after this three or four chapter, a little Christianity 101 in John 17, you know what Jesus does? He actually does a prayer of dedication. He prays over the church. And by the way, while that prayer starts, I'm not trying to take anything from Jason, so I got all these ideas from his notes from next week. While Jesus starts with his local congregation, those disciples, guess where the prayer turns? To Lakes Free Church and the rest of the church around the world. So when you're reading John 17, when you're covering that coming up, guess who he's praying for? See, none of the disciples were there, but you don't think the King of Kings knew about Lakes Free Church? You don't think the King of Kings knew about the Christians that would be here? Of course he does. He was praying for you, that you would be set apart and live your life in the Spirit. There's a song, it's, it's popular, it's, it's moved me for many years. It's called Be Thou My Vision. It's over a thousand, the lyrics are over a thousand years old. Are you familiar with those words? Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. You're going to hear, by the way, in these words, re- things that resonate with Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 and even Jesus' own teachings. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. May my mind rest in you. Walking or, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. That's spirit language. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Thou may my great father, and I thy true son. Thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. You hear that? High king of heaven, my victory won. John 16, 33. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, whatever happens. Still be my vision, O ruler of all. Now those are words worthy of singing. A friend of mine, Chad Bora. Let me end with this, and then I'll close our time. A friend of mine named Chad Bora, great guy. We worked at a summer camp in Michigan together, up near Cadillac, Michigan, at a Baptist General Conference Can't converge now, but a Baptist General Conference camp. I worked there all my summer time, and. Chad was this gifted grounds crew guy, musical player. His future wife, Jessica, uh, was, was a Liberty grad, this great Christian family from Michigan. They met at camp. They fell in love. They got married. Three and a half kids later, Chad comes down with cancer. It's bad. He ended up passing away before his 30th birthday, before his last son, Benjamin, was even born. Jessica tells me the story. They went to meet with the doctor for one of those visits. And they're sitting there in this room, and the nurse came in, and the nurse was totally awkward and uncomfortable, and immediately they knew it wasn't going to be good news. And the nurse gets up, and the doctor's about to come in, and Jessica says, See, this, this is Jessica, right? This is a sister in Christ. I, I kind of felt bad for the doctor. Like, we're in this cold, ugly little room, it's obviously bad news. And I just felt the weight of what this man has to share with this young couple. Right? You got this woman there full belly pregnant. When the the nurse left, Chad reached his arm over to Jessica. He grabbed her hand and he said, be thou my vision. That's all he said. Be thou my vision. She said, as the doctor was talking, she had the words of that song ringing through her mind. Uh, my wife and I went over to Scotland. I did schooling over there for three years, and Ch- Chad was a couple years older than I was, so I think I was about 27. We just get in Scotland, and Chad passes away at 29 and a half, or whatever he was exactly, and I couldn't make it to the funeral. We didn't have enough money to fly back to that, so Jessica, this is old school, right? Jessica sent me a VHS tape of the funeral. It was back in 2002, is what it was. He sent, they sent me this tape, and I went to a friend's house. I didn't even have VCR. We were just grad students trying to survive. I went to a, a guy in our Baptist church's house, and he had a VCR, and we, I put it in, and I watched his funeral, and I saw something like I've never seen before. At the end of this funeral, about an hour-long funeral where people, talk, several people from the camp spoke. I mean, I was, I was bawling like a baby during the whole service. At the end of the funeral, they were going to they were, they had a time of kind of they, they wanted to end with a worship song, a song that was significant to Chad. And I saw something that can only be the spirit of God in his sister, right? You've got a woman there pregnant, full belly. She was about 8 months pregnant at this point. She's sitting there with a coffin just in front of her, sitting like right about here. The coffin there in this Baptist church. Her two kids are with her. Her younger kid was so young, he was kind of running around the back. Somebody was watching him. One of her daughters was kind of kicking, getting bored, right? I mean, it's like a five year old little kid, so she's kicking her legs right when the music is starting. You can only imagine this wife who just lost her husband kind of one doesn't want to be a mom for a second, right? But I saw her kind of kneel down, tap her daughter, say something sweet like, hey, honey, just a few more minutes. And then as the songs were playing, And the church is bawling. Here's what I saw. Jessica stood up, right, and she's weeping to the point where you're even wondering. I could see a couple people like her dad, right, this big, strong farmer, almost wanted to go up and put his arm around her, but he paused a second because after about 30 seconds of weeping, here's what you saw. You saw her hand go up in the air. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching this in Scotland, and I'm like, there it is. There it is. I almost wanted to pause the VCR for a second. Because God didn't just take away all the suffering. But in the midst of it, in the midst of severe loss and pain, he gave a peace and a joy and a touch and awareness and a confidence of the resurrection that was so palpable That this 29 year old woman could feel it at the end of a funeral service. Brothers and sisters, that is your King. That is life in the Spirit. So Jesus this morning has just grabbed your cheeks. He's looked you close. He's like, Know who I am, know what I've done. Now live it. Live in that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, which ministers to us. Thank you for Pastor Jesus, who shepherds us, help us as your children to know and experience the true gift and provision of the Spirit in our lives. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Brother, let's give Mickey a round of applause. Praise the Lord for that word, man. What a great message that we all need to be reminded of. Uh, Amazing. For our benediction today, I thought, what better way to end our service than to stand together? And let's sing that first first stanza of Be Thou My Vision. Acapella style, so you're going to have to help me out here, church. (laughs) Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to
1: me, save that Thou art. Thou my best Father, my day or my night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light.
0: Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week walking in the Lord. Amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church. You can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free. And you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests. And we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.